The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Continuing discussion and the continuing debate over a catastrophic disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm joined today by Dan Finelli, congressional candidate in Florida, Andy Smith, spokesperson for the Apalachicola Riverkeepers, also in Florida, and Pat O'Brien, veteran investigative reporter. Welcome to you, gentlemen. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here, David. I thank you again. I'm very uh, interested in the program we're about ready to do here on day 59. Dan, if I may uh, start with you, sir, um, I know that you are a um, ex-airline pilot. You have a story from the dreadful 9-11 attacks, but just before we start that, could I ask you to give our listeners a, a general background of, of how you got into that industry and uh, where you went with that career? Okay, sure. Uh, I was uh, a Naval Academy graduate. Uh, I uh, earned my Navy wings of gold. I uh, went on to be an instructor pilot, uh, and then uh, I served in the Naval, uh, eight, eight and a half years active duty, 11 and a half years in the Naval Reserve, so I retired a lieutenant commander. Uh, concurrently, while in the Naval Reserve, I went on to be an airline pilot and then an airline captain at one of the major airlines, uh, and um, uh, fate had it for me to be flying on September 11th into Washington National. Who uh, were you flying for at that time? Uh, it was Northwest Airlines, which is now owned by Delta. Can you give me some recollections of that period of, of what you, looking back now in retrospect, uh, what your feelings are about that period when you were flying and you were in that area when the aircraft uh, impacted the Pentagon? Well, I was uh, flying into Washington National, somewhere between uh, 35, 40 miles out when I heard the air traffic controller um, say to the aircraft in front of me that uh, they had just learned an airplane had crashed into one of the Twin Towers. Um, I was not only an economics major in college, but I had statistics and probability, and I realized that the probability of that happening by accident was very small, although possible. Um, I hoped that it was an accident and not terrorism, because as a Navy pilot, with a top-secret security clearance, I immediately thought of a, a top-secret security briefing that had to concern itself with terrorism. And about 45 seconds a second, radio transmission came in, and the air traffic controller said they just learned that the other Twin Tower had just been hit by another aircraft. At that time, there was no question in my mind. Uh, now, thinking back, that, re rewinding the tape in your brain back to uh, September 11th, you, uh, at that time, it wasn't politically correct to say that it was terrorism. Um, but I told my first officer and second officer, this is definitely terrorism. We will not be landing at Washington National. Um, we're probably going to get diverted and probably diverted to Washington Dulles. Um, at which case they said, Dan, are you serious? And I said, I am definitely serious. This is terrorism, and it's possible we might have a terrorist on the back of our aircraft. We need to be ready in case we do. What, Thank God uh, we didn't have one. Um, we did divert to Washington Dulles, and uh, we did land safely at about the time that we got into the gate or landed the plane. Cr the other their terrorist uh, crashed their aircraft into the Pentagon, and shortly thereafter, the airport in Dulles was evacuated. Looking back on that, how do you think that it changed not only America but changed the world? Oh, it changed the landscape of uh, people at once thought, you know, not, things like this couldn't happen in America. Well, the reality is that they can, they have, and unfortunately they will in the future unless we take the appropriate precautions, which, um, which is probably enough. 
another radio program that we'll we'll discuss in the future. But um, security obviously is uh, hugely increased at the airports, uh, which of course has caused the uh, the delays also. Now you are a Florida resident. And there are obviously great concerns about the BP oil spill. Uh, you are also uh, running for Congress. Um, could you give me a up-to-date, uh, up-to-date information of of the conditions down there in your part of the world? Okay. Well, I'm running in the Eighth Congressional District. That's Central Florida against Alan Grayson. Uh, Central Florida includes, of course, Orlando, which is the number one travel destination in the world. Tourism, the hospitality interest, uh, industry, is extremely important, not only to Orlando, but to all of the Florida and all of the Gulf Coast and Atlantic Coast, all of the, uh, the shoreline to the states, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, are uh, their income, the economies are dependent on the tourism or, or greatly dependent. So that um, this is a very, very bad thing, and uh, the, all these uh, coastal areas are beginning to struggle. Fortunately, some people are still coming out, but we are hearing uh, one coastline by the next, how the, the oil is coming onto the shore one by one, when we should have been taking preventative measures. Where was the leadership? What is it that you think that we can all do now with this crisis in Florida and Louisiana what can the public do, Dan, in this regards? We see some concern with central government in handling this disaster. It is certainly a, a, a dreadful situation for them to handle because they're involved not only in a federal situation and protection but also in a foreign policy debate and, of course, working with BP. How do you see this panning out over these coming weeks? Well, uh, and I'm sure the intention of your, your show is not to point the finger at any person uh, or any party, whether it's, uh, this isn't concerning Republicans or Democrats, this is concerning the citizens of the United States of America and how the Americans pull together in times of crisis. We should have, I believe, uh, surrounded, we should have the leadership to surround where the oil was coming from and to contain it, and we should have had the leadership um, from various levels, you can talk federal level, you can talk state level. Each one needs to take the, whatever the action is that is necessary to protect uh, the shoreline. Uh, there are many volunteers that have, uh, and volunteers from other countries. Uh, the president could have easily um, waived the Jones Act like President Bush did in order to let foreign uh, skimmers come out uh, from uh, Holland or Denmark to come help us uh, from any country to come out here and help us from the many different industries and also there are many individuals with inventions that have been that have been made known on on Huckabee show and various other pro programming that we need to get going on right away and although it didn't take place before it needs to take place now for every coastline of every state that is in jeopardy. What is the reluctance of the federal government at this stage to allow private individuals, groups, corporations with alternative chemicals, alternative machinery to take care of this? Uh, I, uh, and I have tried to think that through, and I do not understand. I mean, we are talking about the pristine, beautiful Gulf of Mexico, these pristine shores and beach, beach line, the, the, all of the water life, all of the waterfowl that's out there that are being killed that could have been saved because this, to a certain extent, could have been contained. I, I can't say it would have been totally been contained, but we could have, if, if there's a flood outside your house, and that, uh, in Florida, we, as you may recall, we had, when Katrina came through, there were, there were many that came right across Orlando, the area where I live. Um, we had sandbags outside the door. When water started coming in the house, we were, we were wiping it and cleaning it and, and sa saving the house, and that's what we should have been doing to the shorelines of each of these places. The, the federal government needs to step forward. I don't understand why they're not doing it, but they need to understand now, and I'm talking federal government, Congress. I'm talking each senator, each congressman, and then the state legislature, as well as organizations that get volunteers. They should set up a command and control 
with either the United States Navy or the U.S. Coast Guard that would control the various factions. They could be given certain square mile that they could keep clean and find out what is the most effective and productive way to get rid of the oil. Can I ask you, for, uh, for the listeners, could you describe to me at this stage the state of the coastline areas down the eastern side of Florida? Well, my understanding of the eastern side is it has not hit. Of course, it's on the western side of Florida right now, and it's going uh, slowly but surely along the, the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico side. So my understanding is it hasn't gone to the Atlantic side yet. But um, if we have, you know, this is hurricane season, and it is forecast to be a worse than normal hurricane season, which could just wreak havoc on our eco- the ecology out there. What is the conditions today in economic terms for the shrimp industry, the fishing industry, and indeed any industry that is reliant upon the Gulf waters in that immediate area? What are the numbers, for example, for the the travel industry, for the resorts? Are they well down on their revenues? I mean, I've heard 50% in some areas. Uh, It's area by area. It's hard for me to give. I I don't have all the numbers, but I can tell you that the numbers are down. Uh, Orlando may have a little bit of help that Harry Potter is opening this week. And, uh, I mean, the state, all of these states, they need the tourism. The economy is is in a tough time. Uh, Unemployment, approximately 10%. That doesn't include the people that have given up. The true number is probably closer to 17% unemployment. So this is a a terrible one-two punch. If we get some terrible hurricanes that come through, it's going to be one, two, three, very, very, very bad for these states. Now, given the chemicals being used at the moment, what are those implications with hurricanes on the inland areas? Well, uh, my understanding, and uh, I am doing the research as as an independent individual, um, I don't have access as, as when I had a top secret security clearance in the Navy or um, once I'm elected, if I'm so uh, blessed by the, the citizens of the 8th Congressional District, then I'll have more current, more up-to-date information. But what I can get by my own personal research shows that uh, they are using something that was used around the time of the uh, Exxon Valdez. You're talking about the Corexit product? Oh, the Corexit. Thank you very much. The Corexit problem, that has... Um, properties that are uh, that have been said to be poisonous, that have said to be lethal, that have uh, some potentially long-term effects, and that are outlawed. And the documentation I've been able to find uh, shows that they're they're not uh, legal to be used in the United Na- in the UK in the United uh, Kingdom. What about this relationship between BP and the federal government and BP and the UK government? Uh, there's obviously going to be some ramifications here globally for the economy, for business, for the level of debt. What are the general feelings of people in Florida as to how that should be handled? Do they believe that BP should allow to be able to continue this fight on their own, or should they be mandated by some sort of uh, federal oversight? Well, there's no question that there's got to be federal oversight, uh, and there are certainly uh, huge damages that are involved here. But the focus at this time shouldn't be so much on on who's going to sue who as it is. Let's correct as much of this problem as we possibly can. Let's take positive action to save our our country, our waters, and the, the focus shouldn't be on the on the legal issue right now. Let's get the job done. Let's come together, all Republicans, all Democrats. Um, the people at BP show that your heart is in this. To uh, they're already talking about the bankruptcy of, of BP on the on various television programs that I've seen. So that um, I think that's in the wrong direction right now. Right now we need to come together and work. And yes, we do need funds to um, to get the dispersants, safe dispersants that can. Uh, can take care of this oil and, and precipitate it out, and bacteria that can that can destroy it. Uh, various inve- inventions and filters that can filter it out of the water and remove it and purify the water. That's where we need to be right now. But I'm guessing there is still a reluctance to allow these pri- private individuals to actually come in right now to be able to participate in this. Yes, and it's uh, <laughs> it's unmistakably true what you just said. 
but the reasoning I, I cannot understand except for I, I've done some research and found that, that BP actually has a has holdings in the Nalco Corporation, which uh, which owns that the product that they've been using, and that's the only reason I could I could see that they would use that product. Uh, no, none other, no other reason than that because it's not only it, it's it is a toxic product and it doesn't work. It's not as effective or as efficient as many other products that are available today. So, having said all this, could you give me some sort of conclusion as to the direct response and who should be accountable for that response as of today? The direct response. Well, I mean, ultimately, um, we we certainly. Uh, with all due respect to our president, we have to look to him for leadership. Uh, that's why we elected him. We don't expect him to have all the answers, but we expect him to lead, to get the work done, and to pull together um, all the all the all the workers, all the forces, everyone we can. I don't see him getting everybody together. This is day 59. Um, I believe after day three, they should have surrounded the oil source and contained it and sucked them as much of it, swept as much of it away as, as possible. That's not what's happened. And in fact, this uh, product corrects it, actually um, causes it to stay, uh, to, to, to go below the surface or stay below the surface so that um, potentially, like an iceberg, you can only see maybe the tip of it, but how much of it is, is underwater um, wreaking destruction over the sea life? We are assuming at the moment that they still have not been able to cap the oil that is seeping out of the floor bed? Uh, as per what they're showing on, on TV, they, they have said that it has not been totally capped. They have reduced the flow. Um, apparently, uh, there is a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, not uh, Pressure pushing the oil out. You have to understand, a mile deep, imagine how, how many pounds of, of force the, the water has down there. So you would, it must just, uh, this, this pocket of oil and natural gas has a tremendous amount of force, and it is, uh, it is continuing to bellow out. The original estimates from my research, they were originally stating only around 1,000 barrels per day. Um, then I, I understood that they said, well, we're not sure that's correct. Uh, as of yesterday, I heard it's somewhere between 45,000 to 60,000 barrels a day that are going into the Gulf. I'm going to bring in Andy Smith, a founder of the Waterkeeper Alliance. Andy Smith, welcome to you. Hey, yes, this is Andy Smith, and just let me clarify, uh, David, it's, uh, I'm the founder of the Apalachicola Riverkeeper. We are one of the 192 water keepers in the Waterkeeper Alliance. What is your view of this situation as it stands today as far as the coastline regions are concerned on the west side of Florida and Louisiana and the impact not only on the, the wildlife but also on the economy? Um, our focus as Apalachicola Riverkeeper is on the waters of Franklin County, Apalachicola Bay. David, I can't really speak intelligently about, um, you know, what's really happening to uh, the folks west of us. Um, we, we do communicate with other water keepers, the Louisiana Bayou Keeper, the Lower Mississippi River Keeper, the Mobile Bay Keeper, and the Emerald Coast Keeper. But our focus has really been on this incredible resource that is Apalachicola Bay. It's a... Uh, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, it's a place where you got 900 miles of river coming down from Georgia to Apalachicola Bay, and you can stand in that bay and you can eat a filter feeder. It's really an amazingly uh, productive resource that's uh, internationally known that uh, we are working as hard as we can to try to protect. And the economy of Apalachicola Bay of this area is based on whether it's real estate, tourism, recreational fishing, or the huge commercial fishing industry, which is oysters, blue crabs, fin fish, shrimp, is all based on a healthy environment. And that's why we're here, and that's why there's been a lot of protection of this area, Apalachicola River, Apalachicola Bay, by the federal government, the state government, the local government. Um, Folks here are, are devastated, you know, emotionally by what's coming our way, and it's creeping our way day by day. Um, we've got 21 seafood dealers in our small county of 11,000 people. We've got 1,500 licensed oystermen in our county. Um, their, their orders 
for seafood are going down. Um, a, a lot of the folks that were working as commercial fishermen are now working for BP as vessels of opportunity. Um, people are canceling reservations to come down to our beautiful beaches and stay. Um, real estate transactions are falling through. People are pulling out. We were really just getting to the place in our economy this spring where where we were starting to recover from the 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 demise of the local economy that started back in 2005. People were really starting to just get back on their feet. And so, you know, we don't know, but we anticipate that the impact on our economy is going to be um, potentially devastating, as, as well, of course, as the impact on the environment. We, we've got 35 miles of coastal bay and estuary waters that have oyster beds in them, some of the most productive in the world, that have seagrass beds that produce large percentages of the actual individual gag grouper, which is the commercial grouper that you eat at restaurants out in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, we've got extensive marshes. All of that stuff is just... Is that, is that area today being impacted by any evidence of oil? It is not. We do not have oil in our waters yet. Um, everybody's looking. Everybody's, uh, you know, checking the beaches, people on the water. Um, no, we don't. As far as we know, um, the next county over Gulf has had, you know, small uh, reports of small tarballs. You go one county more to the to west, you're in Bay County, Panama City. Um, they're starting to get reports. And then you go towards Okaloosa, Santa Rosa counties, those that's where they're really starting to get the impacts, you know, these days. I was talking to a colleague in Panama City, and they expect to have oil on their beaches by Friday. Now, is that your expectation there in your area that the oil is going to finally impact this area? And do you have some sort of provision in place to, to take care of that? Absolutely. We think that it's going to impact our area from the beginning, you know, back in late April, the Apalachicola Riverkeeper, because we have on staff uh, a staff member who for eight years did oil spill recovery from Texas to Siberia. So we've really been in the forefront in our community on preparing for this. And so we developed a plan that has booms, skimmers, that sort of thing in it. Um, but, you know, what's, what characterizes this event, this disaster from the bottom to the top is really poor communication and what seems to be happening is folks are working like crazy they're planning they're preparing they're trying to do logistics and then the oil just comes in right between their legs i obviously i've been talking to dan about that preparation and about a reluctance for the federal government to allow private groups individuals into these areas once the oil hits is that something that you are expecting there and and could be impacted in uh, in your position as not being able to do anything once they award that area with some sort of uh, warning or restricted area status absolutely um uh, th we've known that from from the first 10 days or so that you know volunteers aren't going to be allowed in there you got to be paid workers you got to be trained one of the thing and, and we've publicized that information now, you know, there are folks that are going to be out there picking up tarballs, you know, whether they're supposed to be or not. Though some places we've heard to the west of us have been closed off. But we at the Riverkeeper, you know, we've put together our own team of folks who are trained, who has the HAZMAT training, the HAZWOPPER training, because one of the roles that we have is that we are trying to not only plan, not only coordinate volunteers, but also be the eyes and ears for our community. And the county has put us in that role, so we've been trained so that we can be out there to see how the booming's going, to see how the skimming's going, and, and evaluate the effectiveness of that. So we have the training to be there. So you are anticipating possibly being pushed away from that role and, and not allowing that access to, to take up this, this position? Well, no, no. I, we, we have the training and we've got the backing from the county to be there. And we are working with our uh, county contractor who has been brought on to do the local oil spill response. And we're embedded in that. So we'll be there. And, but, but what I expect is that the volunteers who, 
you know, that's one of the characteristics of this thing is so many people want to help and be involved. If they don't have the training, they may be pushed out. But. Now, I've posed this question uh, both at Pat O'Brien, investigative uh, journalist in mm-hmm. Florida, and also uh, uh, to Dan today, um, about the hurricane system. I, I believe that it's uh, commonly known that this is going to be somewhat worse than many years before. What is the implication there? How can that exasperate this situation? I, you know, it, it could make it horrible, you know, because it could... It, you know, it, it could pick up the oil. It could bring it in. It could move. It could move huge volumes of oil towards the coast, and it could take that oil and bring it further up on land. I mean, when we have a big storm come on shore, you know, we have storm surges that you know we we've got three, you know, one, two, three, five, nine feet of water in our community. If that water's full of oil, it's going to be everywhere. And is that uh, expected as well, that you will see the hurricanes in that area? Well, we often do. You never know where they're going to come. You know, we've had plenty of them in our past. Now, the flip side of that is that, you know, that action will help break up and weather the oil, too. But it seems more likely that it's going to aggravate it to the negative. Now, uh, I've spoken to both uh, Pat O'Brien and uh, Dan Finelli about the correction materials that they're using, that BP are using. There is a lot of concern over the makeup of those chemicals and the the after effect. Is this something that, that you folks have looked at there? We've looked at it some. The Waterkeeper Alliance and the other Gulf Coast uh, waterkeepers have really looked into that harder. And some of our colleagues, one of them, Jack Rudlow with the Gulf Specimen Marine Lab, who's an expert on sea life, um, our expectation and understanding is that a couple of things have happened. You know, those dispersants have made it so that there is a lot of some sort of oil material, you know, combined with the dispersants that is in a lens below the surface. And two, that when those dispersants break up the oil, you know, it makes them into smaller particles that are absorbed by the environment, which means they're eaten by phytoplankton and zooplankton, which is the basis of the food chain. And we believe that that's got a potential to have a huge negative impact upon the the whole food chain in the Gulf of Mexico. So we're really worried and scared about that. Dan Finelli, having listened here to Andy Smith, what are your thoughts on this and and their action plan that perhaps they should think about putting into place further to that that they're they're taking in now? Andy, since you have uh, experience with the training requirements, because uh, obviously there are many volunteers that probably want to go to work and help they need to be trained. Uh, what uh, what time frame would you expect uh, these people would require? Um, well, the Haswhopper training, which is the training that you've got to get to get close to the oil, is a forty-hour training. You know, so you know, I mean, the, the classes that our folks went through, it's, it was essentially four ten-hour days to get the training. You know, I've had the four-hour training that 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 won't get you into the hot zones or the exclusion zones where there's, you know, uh, you know, uh, heavy oil product, um, you know, it gets you closer to it, but you've just got to graduate in the level of training that you get. And that's been one of the difficult things in this whole process is getting trained, finding out where there's going to be training, you know, finding out who's going to do the training. It's just been, I mean, this is a disaster, you know, it's like everything's happening in the middle of an accident. I mean, organizationally, it seems like we should already have this set up and have training going on in process. We're talking about we're in day 59. Well, you're correct about that, and there has been training, but part of the problem is that the Oil Pollution Act of 1990 sets up this system, this triumvirate from the, of, of the responsible party, the federal government, the Coast Guard, and the states, and it puts essentially, and I think this is, really part of the problem it puts the responsible party essentially in control so so within five days we knew that bp was saying that the only people that are going to be able to deal with old wildlife is the tri-state uh uh wildlife recovery organization so all the people that wanted to be involved in that they found out right off the bat they weren't going to be able to be involved unless they somehow found their way into that BP-sanctioned 
group. And, and you know, that's the problem. Is is, the, it, it, could I ask you, Andy, yep. is there pressure from the local community now there in Florida to take away that responsibility from BP and place it more in federal hands and in local community hands? Absolutely. And how would that be accomplished? Well, I think that it would be accomplished by federalizing the oil spill, which would allow the federal government to have that more direct control of what's happening and and circumvent BP's ability to control how everything happens. One of the problems that we've had is that, you know, we worked out a local boom contingency plan with booms and skimmers, and what happened from the unified command was they said, okay, we're going to take this portion of your plan, what they call Tier 1 and Tier 2, you guys can have Tier 3, and, and there's been no communication from the local level to the unified command about, well, how are we going to coordinate these two components of what you've now done in splitting our plan? And it's, it's uh, you know, it's really, really frustrating, and it makes for a, uh, we think, ineffective process and ineffective response to the oil spill. Does this suggest that we learnt nothing from the Katrina disaster, as far as the federal response is concerned? We didn't learn enough. You know, I'm sure we learned some things, but we didn't learn enough about what to do, and, and I think it tells us it's a, it's a different situation. You know, you've got the oil industry, exploration industry, that helped create the Oil Pollution Act of 1990. And that's what's hamstrung this process is the law that was set in place to try to improve what happened after the Exxon Valdez. And, and because you had that interest in there, you know, they didn't want to let it be done in a way that would compromise their ability to do what they want to do. May I say something? Yes, of course. Go uh, ahead. Common sense would say, um, whoever is the, the leader would say at a point whoever you've assigned to be in charge is not getting the job done. In this case, it's BP. We're too many days into right. this without the proper leadership. That needs to be moved aside. I mean, their paperwork, and not only is it on the Internet, but it was on um, uh, Anderson Cooper last night. They had the paperwork that showed BP has, pay, has uh, a plan, and they are supposed to be able to clean up 250,000 gallons a day, which they obviously cannot that was obviously incorrect. They need to be moved to the side. They have the technology to cap it, hopefully. We pray to God that they have the technology yeah. to cap this. In the meantime, we need to get command and control set up by the appropriate people, which I would assume the U.S. Navy or the Coast Guard, and put them in contact with your people and various other people. Get them trained, get them out there, and get the job done. What stops everybody dead in their tracks, and I think you're exactly right, at the local level, you know, we've got a lot of good ideas. Over in Okaloosa County, they've got a lot of good ideas. But what stops everybody, and, and, and we're, we're in a community where a good third of the community is on the water every day and have been for 150 years. They know this water. But what stops everybody dead in their tracks is we don't have any money to pay for it. We've got to wait for that from BP. And for BP to, you know, approve the money, they got to approve the plan and all that. So I'm with you 1,000%. Knock them out of the lead on what it takes to get approved, but keep them in there as the financially responsible party. Absolutely full-time, well, big time. take some of the stimulus money. Um, all of the $878 billion that were allocated, all of it hasn't been spent um, there's some of it that has not been spent that we should reallocate for this emergency. This is a, an emergency of catastrophic proportions. Absolutely. And we need to move, and we need to move fast. And Absolutely. someone has to take the charge and get this going. The U.S. Congress has the purse strings, and they need to get moving and, and helping out in this. Let me bring in Pat O'Brien, uh, investigative, uh, a veteran investigative uh, reporter from Florida. Pat, are you with us? Of course, David, I am with you, and I really want to uh, interject a couple of things here now with what we know. Uh, we were intending to have Wayne Harris, who is the commission chairman of um, Okaloosa County, which has just been mentioned, 
I just want to read something very quickly, if I can. Go ahead. Okaloosa County isn't um, talking oil spill orders anymore. They're, they have said um, the county commissioners voted to be able to say, look, we're just not going to take it anymore. Uh, we're going to, whether it requires us to go to jail or not, we're going to go against the unified command. Uh, we're going to, uh, they have what they call the East Pass there. <clears throat> and what they decided to do is they were going to put barges there. And then they also allocated $200,000 to pay for an uh, underwater air curtain. And uh, they had $16,500 a day that they were going to use to operate and maintain it, to keep the oil off from their beaches. I got, a can- I got a cancellation notice just before airtime. Uh, Wayne Harris called and said, I can't be with you. His people did and said, I can't be with you. We've just gotten hit with the oil. Let me interject there and just ask Andy Smith, what would your response be to that, Andy? This is suggesting some real dilemmas here in the way that people could splinter. What would your response to that be? You're right about how people could splinter. I mean, you you don't want people out here lopping each other's heads off trying to solve this problem. But you do. I I mean, I like what Okaloosa County did. You know, I like what Bobby Jindal, you know, finally got up and did, but it was too late. Um, I like what people in Franklin County are talking about to to take all-out measures to protect it now. I think we're essentially at war. This is not a war you want to lose. You want to do everything you can, when you can, to do it. Um, so I support that. You know, I, I think that, that one of the things Okaloosa County said is that, you know, we really, one of the reasons we're saying this and doing this is not only that this is what we're going to do, but we're trying to get your dang attention so that you, you will actually come here and do what needs to be done to protect the resource that we live with every day. Dan Finelli, could I ask you, sir, in order that we, we don't create chaos out of this, but organization that you talk to, how can this be achieved where we don't see local authorities at loggerheads with federal government and, and also with BP? How can we do this immediately with just today a very, very concise response to the problem on hand? Well, I would hope that the president would see fit to uh, to put uh, either the Department of the Navy or the Coast Guard. They're, they're both uh, very familiar with uh, command and control, and they could then orchestrate a plan of attack for each area. Each area would be registering with them. They would get uh, various quadrants, uh, uh, zones that they would be working in, uh, and they would verify the training of the people, and the people that aren't trained, they would have to set up the training immediately get as many people trained but uh, this is uh, a national emergency that uh, at this moment exceeds any any hurricane that we've got in this upcoming season so we we need to immediately get going on this thing and that that has to be done um, it should have been done a month ago do you feel that this is defining now the future of america the way that it operates at federal level the way that people think about the way that the country is evolving. Uh, Do you think that that is really a talking point here now and the way that the rest of the world looks at this country, the the way that it deals with this situation? Can I interject one thing here? On on day 58, okay, the uh, president finally met with the BP executives um, to lay down the law. On day 57, the president did his first Oval Office speech. And as a newsman, I listened very carefully to what was said. Two-thirds of that, and this isn't just my analysis of it, this is many news people looking at it. Um, the first two-thirds of his Oval Office speech of 13 minutes was devoted to, we got basically everything under control, don't worry about it, and so on. And the last third of it was literally to talk about and trade, and it, I, I'm I'm concerned in listening to it that it is more of a political issue, and that is a very big concern to me. Sitting in the great state of Florida, uh, to understand that this is a political football, and 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 with one stroke of the pen, the president could bring in the outside forces to, as uh, Dan Finelli well pointed out could bring in the outside forces to give us help. 
And the other thing is to take BP, who is a driller but not a cleaner-upper, get them out, get the federal government to relax the restrictions on the EPA, and allow privateers like Mike Huckabee. I'm going to be with Mike Huckabee tomorrow uh, at noontime. And I hope to have them on our program. And um, could I, I could I could I just um, ask you, Andy sure. Smith, for a response to that at local level? At the way that people think this through now, is this going to become more of a community action? Is it going to be a, a, a march to the to the to the White House uh, in, in enforcing uh, the, the the very ideas, the very action that that you three gentlemen talk about here? I don't know if anybody's planning the march to the White House, but we certainly support the uh, the idea that 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 was just expressed a hundred percent. I think that is actually what needs to happen um, as far as you know America's role in the world or, or you know how we're looked at in the world. I can't say, but I think that it's a wake up call for the world. You know, I mean, we're really good at the industrial revolution. But when we make a mistake, you know, everybody argues about whether climate change is real or not. But you cannot deny what's happening right now because it's so tangible. And we are showing ourselves exactly how far we can go in destroying our environment. It's a major thing. And, and this has got to move us beyond where we are. Or we're going to end up with that world that we all see in the science fiction of just blanked out just can't use it uh, dan finelli i know that uh, from yesterday we had a, a program with the um, artist uh, sophie hawkins and i think sophie somewhat represented uh, the los angeles area in so much that they knew very little about this had very little information and possibly don't know the extent to which this is affecting florida and, and the east coast how can we raise that level uh, of consciousness in that part of the world? Uh, well, with your program, and as this this news hits, um, it, it's going to be out there. I mean, they're going to hear about it because this this is uh, too significant for them to miss. It's, it's. I mean, we haven't copped the oil, and as far as our our leaders, you're asking um, where where we need to go with that, and the people that have been elected. Um, those officials need to wake up now. There, there's been a wake-up call all across the United States of America, and people are evaluating their elected candidates. And the candidates that aren't doing the, or the, the elected officials that aren't go doing the job are going to be replaced by people that are movers and shakers. We need to get people in office that are leaders and workers. And those people that are currently elected need to stand up and need to get to work. That's what they were elected for, to protect our beautiful, our great country, our great economy. They need to get to work now. Pat O'Brien in, in Florida, what would you think would be the best course of action given the information that you have at hand? David, I've... Um I've talked to both Senator Nelson, Democrat of Florida. I've talked to Senator Mew, Democrat of Florida, their people, their press agents, and whatever. I have not heard one word come, not one peep come out of any one of their mouths to say um, what we can do as a state of Florida. Bobby Jindal, like was mentioned before, he stepped up to the plate. He's trying to do something. He's trying to protect his beaches. I'm not hearing anything that out of Charlie Crist. I watched him walking down the beach with Obama in a photo op. Now he's running for Senate as an independent, was a Republican, now an independent, uh, knowing that he was going to get beat as a Republican by Mark Rubio, uh, Marco Rubio, rather. Any case, you know, the, the big thing is here, this is nothing more than politics, photo ops, um, the, the, the president eating fish, that we know people that live in the Gulf of Mexico would not eat right now. Um, you know, this whole thing is nothing more than a photo op that is uncovered. The, the more I get into this story, and you know I came out of retirement to do this story with you, the more I came out of retirement, the deeper I got into this story, the sicker I got to my stomach as a resident of the state of Florida. Now, I've given both Senator Lemieux and Senator Nelson an opportunity to be on a future program with us. I was supposed to be hearing before airtime today that they would or would not be with us. They're not moving. 
and we're not we're hearing the same news the correct product news is not being broadcast on either national or local media uh to any extent that would get uh, people let's not alarm them uh let's just watch our state go under oil just city by city by city and that's the same with what's going on from louisiana all the way through the gulf coast Texas is going to get a big piece of this as it comes through. It'll all the way go all the way down to Mexico because, as we have discussed on previous programs, our research that comes directly out of the UK and the BP um, from executives that have talked to the engineering people out of the UK know that what we're looking at on television is just a little tip of the iceberg of the amount of oil that is actually going into that Gulf. Let me just interrupt you, Pat, if I may, and just taking that on to Andy Smith. Andy, Mm -hmm. if indeed this is going to have a huge impact on the fishing industry and the way of life in your area and probably in a huge area across that whole region, is there an acceptance that perhaps this may have to completely change the outlook for the way of life in your area moving forward and that something else may have to be looked at as an alternative to that revenue that you you get from the sea? That's a fear. It's not an acceptance by any means. Uh, The folks here are still focusing on and trying to do everything they can to defend what we have, and we need the financial, the human, and the material resources to do that. You know, it's not over for us yet. You know, we're we're still fighting the battle. We're not giving up that transition. People talk about that on the street. They're not hiding from that potential reality. But we're dealing with what's here, you know, and what's coming to us, and that's going to be our focus. At the outset of the program, interestingly, you mentioned that people are very emotive. Mm-hmm. Um, could you expand upon that? Is there a desperation at this stage? Yeah, well, there, there, there are pockets of panic, and and there's, you know, I mean, people are in a heightened stress level where, you know, they they maybe are not saying, you know, I mean, they they're being harsher in their words to to different folks. I mean, they're they're just reacting, you know, from a higher level of stress, and you know, some people are are. Uh, you know, are, 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 you know, in tears about it. Some people are really angry about it. Every, you know, it's, it's like there are five sticks in the anthill. You know, everybody's upset and excited about what's going on. We had a great uh, event Friday night by 38 Florida writers. They've written a book called Unspoiled, a book that was in the, in the works before this ever happened. And they debuted that book in Apalachicola this past weekend, and there were four or five of those writers here. And it was an amazingly emotional time because it was a time where we could all sort of let down our guard about what we're trying to do to deal with this and just think about what we have and what we might lose. And, you know, there was just, there were real tears there and real anger there. And, you know, folks are expressing that across the board and the lack of good communication. I mean, we've been working on this thing for 50-plus days ourselves as Apalachicola Riverkeeper. So we've seen what's been going on, and information changes within an hour about what's what and what's happening and what hadn't happened and when the training's going to be. And folks are, you know, to some degree, if they let themselves just swept up by the chaos of this and the lack of organized approach to this, you know, and so that's just tripling the stress and tension and anxiety that folks feel. As we close down towards the end of the program, gentlemen, could I just start with you, Dan Finelli? What would you like to uh, tell our listeners today, especially in Florida, as to how they should stay calm, uh, stay constructive, and know that something good is going to come out of this situation? Uh, yes, it's a time for, for all Americans, all Floridians, to come together to do everything and anything that they possibly can to give support to fixing this problem, cleaning the beaches, cleaning the, the Gulf, not letting uh, the, the oil escape to the Atlantic side. So um, we are, what a great country. We've donated millions to Haiti and many other uh, areas and countries that needed our help. Right now we need the help right here along the Florida and the other coastal states 
We need to come together. We need to not argue with our uh, congressmen, our elected officials. We need to let them understand, get to it. We need to do this right away, and the Congress needs to move forward. The White House needs to give the authority. And for Pat O'Brien, very briefly, sir, could I ask the same question of you? Again, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Floridian. I'm sitting here as a journalist, and I'm, I'm fearful of what the future may bring if, in fact, they don't do something right now. We can't wait another day for the federal government to get out of way and let these privateers come in. You know, frankly, they can't do any more damage than what's already being done to our Gulf. And there are so many solutions to this problem. It's just a matter of getting the government out of the way, getting BP out of the way, and letting American ingenuity solve this problem before it goes around and comes up our east coast with a hurricane. I mean, that's the bottom line for this thing. It's our government stopping this thing from um, getting solved. It's BP from stopping this thing from getting involved. And it's nothing more than PAC money. Who took PAC money? And that's the bottom line. And And it's just the politics. That's it. And Andy Smith, if I may finish with you, sir, could you just let our listeners know, and especially those that will be listening to this in your area, how to hold on here and how to... um, uh, continue working towards the the end goal. Yeah, volunteer. Support your local frontline groups like the Apalachicola Riverkeeper, the Gulf Specimen Marine Lab. Come down here and be with us. You know, don't desert us now. Get your butts down here to to the to the Panhandle Coast of Florida. Come be with us. You know, this is this is history being made. It's bad history, but it's the time you ought to be here. Don't go somewhere else. And 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 ban offshore drilling in Florida waters and don't do deep water drilling that puts us at risk at a risk that we can't solve Andy Smith Dan Finelli Pat O'Brien thank you so much for joining me on this program today thank you thank you very much and to our listeners um, I hope that this has been an engaging program for you Um, we will have a successful outcome with this Uh, by all coming together, I am sure, in the future. And I hope that you can support all of these gentlemen and the activities that they have taking place in Florida. It is a time for all of us to come together and be heroes today. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. There is a blog feature that will be appearing uh, tomorrow. I'm sure that these gentlemen will be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management